Hey guys, welcome to episode 196 with my marvelous guest, Tawny Newsome. She is one of the stars of Kulop's fantastic new CISO show. It's called Bajillion Dollar Properties. I cannot recommend it enough. You got to get yourself over to CISO. Check it out. Um, and uh, for the time being, I also want to get some shout outs in there, guys. I'm sure that surprises you none. Uh, I want to thank Paula. Thank you so much for sending me that wonderful uh, rescue dog email with your picture of Bigby. Um, I think that was... Uh, the, got a few nice comments about that on Twitter and otherwise. Um, about that particular conversation with Melissa that did, in fact, seem to go on forever. What can I say? I got real into it, and so did she. Uh, so I'm glad some of you enjoyed that. Uh, Kenneth, I'm so glad you had fun on your trip in L.A. Uh, Caitlin uh, also uh, got a little something out of the uh, the dog conversation, sent me an email about it. Thank you for that, my dear. Elizabeth, thank you so much for your email. And uh, on Facebook, I just want to thank Timmy, Paige, Holly, and Samantha for your wonderful comments and ideas. Um, and uh, again, for uh, the wonderful tweets I've been getting, uh, which I'm always very behind in shouting out verbally, but hopefully you're getting some acknowledgement from me on Twitter. And um, yeah, I'm super excited for HavenCon uh, this weekend in Austin. Very excited always to go back to Austin. And uh, I'm a big fan of what the Haven guys are doing. Um, so uh, can't wait for that. And then ostensibly the following weekend, I'm in Indiana and I just found out that Great Allow is going to be there. So that's just going to be a joy to behold. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think that's it for now and i hope you guys enjoy the episode and i will talk to you soon bye now entering nerdist.com Without further ado, um, F it. Hi. The weird. <laughs> yeah. F it. Fuck it. Welcome. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> fucking welcome, fucking Johnny. You know, Janet, I didn't know you before this, but I'm glad to find out you're as much of a bro as I am. I, apparently I am. <laughs> do you feel you have bro qualities? I definitely have bro yeah. qualities. Um, an acting teacher once asked me what a dream role of mine was to play, and they were like, think wild, anything you want. And I literally said, Kenny from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Oh. Oh my god, that's so great and specific. Who was that? Like, Keith that, Gordon? No. Ooh, I don't remember the actor's name. Yeah. I'm sorry, sir. Um, uh, you know what? I've never seen it. You've so. never seen it? Oh, I'm. Th- you know what? I've not only I've not only not seen that. I'm start. I'm looking out because there's a hummingbird hanging out in this tree that's like right uh-huh. there. That plant, and I'm very uh, hopeful that it's building a nest. Maybe very hopeful indeed. I mean, it's just perched there. Uh, I have not seen "Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead," nor have I seen "Adventures in Babysitting." Okay, I I'm trying seen to that think. I've certainly haven't read the Babysitters Club. In, in general, I apparently have some issue with babysitting. Yeah, maybe you don't like it. But you know what? I did really enjoy babysitting when I was a teenager. Just look for the clip on YouTube where he goes, "Dishes are done, man." <laughs> That's all of the movie. That's what you wanted to be able to say. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Just wanted to like tuck my long hair behind my ear, you know, and 
assuming I'm a man through that's all right, of this. That's right. That's right. That's um, right. That is a pretty specific desire, that yeah, one. I thought strange. you were going to be like, Bruce Willis and Die Hard. Oh, like yeah. That. But no. I don't think I've ever wanted to be like a, a, a hard ass. Like, uh-huh. I don't think I've ever taken myself seriously enough to be like, yeah, I could yeah. shoot up a bank. Shit's about to get real, real. Right? Real, real. I could unleash a bunch of dogs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like um, you that energy, was that something that other people noticed when you were growing up? Or they did it, would you have been called a tomboy? Because I wasn't, I wouldn't have been called no. a tomboy, but I did feel I had very boyish energy. Yeah. If you're one to label things, which I guess we're doing, which is I, fine. Hey, I guess we're just case. putting each other in boxes. You know what? Let's get as Let's tight as it. possible, <laughs> uncomfortable, feel trapped. I want you to feel like you're one dimensional. Thank you. If I haven't done my job, if you don't feel one dimensional by the end of the podcast. <laughs> knock, knock. Hollywood just called. That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Zing. I don't know what people would have said. I was so strange. I tried so many looks and things. I was just desperate to like be like fit in but still be weird and be liked but be zany like, people were just like what is your brand much like my agent now is like right. please stop changing your hair no one knows who you are uh, <laughs> but i feel I like everyone that. was just like oh there's that girl who's wearing like so many chinese characters on one shirt for some <laughs> amazing. reason <laughs> amazing um yeah i really i mean listen i can totally relate to that and i'm sure plenty of us can yeah. where, where did you grow up um i went to school in vacaville california mm-hmm. and i lived in dixon california and i lived in Portland, Oregon. So I was kind of like, where were you a teenager? Like in high school? Where did you go? In high school, I was in Vacaville. Okay. Yeah. But in the country. Where's where's Vacaville? Is it central ish? No, it's northern. It's like uh, outer Bay Area. I should know that. I mean, I lived in the Bay Area for many, 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 many years. Oh, right. I read that. Yeah. I guess I just forgot that where Vacaville was. It doesn't really count as Bay Area. Cow Cow City, Cowtown. Cowtown, yeah. Cowtown. We had an onion festival. It oh was... come on with that i could really go down the rabbit hole of small town festivals yeah my I aunt mean, was the fiesta days queen in 1989 that's kind like of a big deal shitty local pageant i'm sure yeah. you used that for all it was worth your entire life oh yeah I guys was like, hey. i'm gonna have to go ahead and take this one last ticket to the movies because <laughs> my aunt was a fiesta days queen so maybe you remember her pink chiffon gown that's right <laughs> onion festival yeah how elaborate would that celebration have been i don't know that i ever went i brought it up because i remember it but i don't think i also kind of lived in the country mm-hmm. so Vacaville, even within the, that was like the big city yeah vacuum was like the city the town where the school was but i def i lived out in allendale which okay. was not even i don't even think it was like incorporated it was just like loose uh-huh. territories <laughs> Deadwood. Um, You're saying it's Deadwood. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely did. Like you had a sheriff's department, but maybe you didn't, we weren't seeing the police that often. We did have a sheriff's department. My mom was a mounted sheriff for a while. Oh my gosh. How could I have known? I couldn't uh, have. You couldn't have. I couldn't have. Uh, she was a mounted sheriff. That's on horseback. Yeah. Yeah. She's a, uh, she's a correctional officer. So she's always worked in the prison system. But yeah. like, is there she, a prison nearby there? Yeah. In Vacaville, there's two. Okay. Um, oh, double it up. She, she hit both of them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then on the weekends, like she, it was a volunteer position. She was a mounted sheriff because we had horses. Uh-huh. So she was like, let's combine two things I love, law enforcement sure. and giant animals. Why not? Let's get them in there. It could, I mean, there, I feel like there's probably more dangerous combinations than that for a large animal, love of large animals and the law. That's true. Um, I don't know what that would be, I guess. A lion, like, lion tamer for a municipal a, court system. That's yeah. thing. No, you did it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm fascinated by all of this. I mean, all of this sounds like, and I'm sure you rumble across this when you are talking to people about your upbringing. For for somebody Sometimes. who's like, oh yeah, I'm just from Sacramento, or like I'm from New York City. Yeah. Um, I feel like the idea of your mom being a mounted sheriff, working the prison system, and <laughs> you being in a suburb of Vacaville. Yeah. That sounds pretty. I mean, that sounds folksy. 
it, if it you was don't very mind. Again, because I like labels and boxes, apparently. Please do. I'm a country mama. Great, um, <laughs> great, great, great. Is it just you and your mom? Who else was uh, in the fam? Um, I'm, I'm an only story. child. Talk. Sure. Um, Me too. Do you want me to keep talking while you... Yeah. Okay. It seemed seemed weird with you leaving the microphone. See ya. Yeah, I just and then I just leave. Keep so, talking. It's like you hear verbal. me making food in the kitchen. Keep on going. I'm just doing like They're verbal here karaoke. For you. <laughs> yeah, you were an only child. Yeah, um, and my dad. My parents are split, mm-hmm. but I have a dad and a stepmom who are fantastic. And then my mom and her. She married her husband like ten years ago. Okay. Um, so and that's it. Uh, so was it was your mom's house mostly that yeah. you were staying when you were uh, in high school ish? Yeah, we definitely they had like split custody, so I definitely bounced back and forth every week and did that whole shuffle. But they stayed in the same kind of area. Yeah, they? they were in the same like county. So my dad was usually in Vacaville or Dixon, and my mom was in like Allendale. Or she actually did move out to um, Tracy. No, I'm sorry. She worked in Tracy. She moved out to uh, uh, Placerville for a while, which now is I'm way up Now I'm at the point by. where I just feel like all of these places sound familiar, but shouldn't because I couldn't even tell you where Vacaville was. No, well, I just called it Vacaville like I pronounced it. Like you're fancy? Almost like I said, I'm, uh, I live near Los Feliz Boulevard <laughs> instead of Los Feliz. Well, I guarantee if you ever drove from, are you from Oakland? Or? No, I lived in San Francisco. I'm from Arizona, but I lived in San Francisco proper for uh, okay. like almost 10 years. So if you drove from San Francisco to Tahoe, you passed through all of these places. Okay, so I, that, that, I would. I would do those things. Yeah. I would do that i love tahoe so that makes sense okay so all of these names now are, are definitely ringing a bell in fact yeah they might you might have been not terribly far from like the hetch hetchy water power plant do you know where huh? that is maybe you were i've been in chicago for the last like 16 years fair, so fair. i don't know anything that's happened recently okay well this this is this was a water power plant that is kind of northeast of the Bay Area. Okay. Um, but it's just up in the hills, and it's there's a series of lakes and, and rivers that kind of feed into this dam, and then there's a water power plant. And the only reason I know about it is that I took a nuclear energy class when I was in college. Holy shit. It was just an elective. I mean, it was an elective. It was like a science that I needed, and it was at an appropriate time. But it was fascinating. Yeah. And we went up and toured the, um, the water dam, and I was like, or the water power plant uh, and the dam and stuff. And I was like, this is beautiful country up here that yeah. I never would have known about. I bet I've heard of that place just from my parents. Anytime in the last 10 years I've gotten on the phone with them and them describing the drought in great detail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm there sure they were like, well, you know, the hedgy lake system That's is right. down. <laughs> That's right. Now it means something to you. Now yeah. you'll hear them say it all the time. You'll be like, guys, I like, semi know what you're talking about. My friend took an elective about this That's place. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it was part of a geology science class. Oh my God. You're G-E-O-G. A- 302 or whatever it was geodge geodge <laughs> um uh okay so what did you amuse yourself with and and what was your oh. high school like were you in a f- sort of a feeder high school where lots of different communities were attending or oh that's an interesting term a feeder high school i don't even know what i mean i guess i just mean like there was yeah. just you know that, that it was it would be a school where tons of people from kind of far away would have to come if there weren't that many yeah because there were there were two high schools um so i went to the one that was closer to me i don't know like there it was like divided by zip code so i went to vacaville high which was just like a pretty typical sportsy kind of school um and we had like a little drama department and i don't know i just bounced around with a bunch of nerds and like i know i'm interested in all these different styles that you were exploring for one god i was just such a weird wreck i was always like (laughs) first of all i'm so happy now that like the 90s fashion has come back because i legit still love it and i'm wearing a choker today everyone just yeah really visualize this um but yeah, I think I was always like, I was always like kind of an alt kid, but not brave enough to like be a punk. So I was, 
I would like put safety pins in like the holes in my jeans, but I wasn't right. brave enough to like put it all over right, my shirt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's practical, but it's also a statement. But I'm I'm still telling you what kind of music I like. That's right. That's uh, right. And then I had horses, so I was weirdly like doing rodeo on the weekends, and then. I, I don't know. For a summer, I tried to like play golf. I was Ooh. just, I was trying to do anything unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you think that came from? That desire, if not to say that you have to know, but I'm, I'm always interested in kind of how, yeah. like, were your parents kooky? Were they straight, straight arrows? Like, was there a part of you that just felt, or is the kind of theater part of you now? Uh, yeah. Was that sort of feeding that part of you that was like, I just Probably. want adventure. I want something. I want to be, I want to stand out in some way. Or Yeah, I'm sure I always wanted to stand out. My dad is a huge ham. He's so like, he's so funny. My mom is very funny too, but she's like bubbly and like you'd expect her to be kind of yeah. like silly and fun. My dad is like, he still will just like, things he says will just like wallop me in the face sometimes where I'm like, how are you not in show business? He's like a salesman. He sells like uh, doors that you install in your bathtub for elderly people so they don't have to step over the bathtub. That here's a thing that we need that you don't think you need until you realize that that's a thing people need. Yep. And he sells them. But yeah, so I think I think I definitely got my hamish qualities from him. And so I think in high school, I was just constantly like, Oh, and also all of his siblings are like sports people. Like my uncle played for the NFL and like my other uncle won all these wrestling things. My aunt was, as I told you, the uh, Fiesta Days queen. Sure she was. Sure she was. (laughs) I think I was like for the Newsom side for my like uh, family where I get my last name from. And they'd all gone to that high school. So I remember at freshman orientation, Mm -hmm. I showed up and a basketball teacher was like, because I've been 5'10 since I was like fucking seven years old. Me too. Tolly. So did you get a coach coming up to you being like, hey, basketball, volleyball? Yeah. Yes. Um, And I just was so quick to, I just like leaned into the theater thing so early on that I really didn't take advantage of any of, like I remember in grade school before that was an option, you know, like Mm -hmm. up till sixth grade. I definitely was like a good sporty kid. Oh, really? And did well in like the sort of field day, you know, those kind of like, but I wasn't like, let me stay after school for track and field. You know, I was still like yeah. taking guitar in my extended day class, but I definitely had like a natural ability to be a fast runner or to be a long jumper or whatever. And oh, then when man. I got to junior high, it was like the expectation was a little bit like, okay, so you're going to probably join the basketball team, right? Like you're one of the tallest girls in school. And yep. I couldn't, couldn't do that like not do that fast enough i couldn't find a reason not to play sports (laughs) fast enough and now i kind of regret it now i feel like i'm so much more sporty than i ever was oh true for you too yeah i was gonna say that you were probably even way ahead of me i wasn't uh I wasn't coordinated or sporty at all. And now I feel like, oh, now I like like being athletic and doing yeah. stuff. But So you d- yeah. you shied away from that immediately. Completely. The only sports I did in high school were golf and rodeo. <laughs> Both of those, by the way, very legitimate. Golf I've never played. I've never hit <gasps> other than miniature golf. Uh-huh. I mean, if you need me to like send something through a windmill. There's a good chance I'll hey, be okay yeah. at it. Yeah. But I've never like hit a ball across a field of green. I don't think I did either. I did for <laughs> one summer in prep because they were like, we're announcing a, the girls golf team. I think I more did it for feminism. I think I was yeah, like, yeah. finally, we've been waiting for this. <laughs> What's up? How do I play? What do I do? Yeah. Fuck this. Nope. Yeah. Oh my God. That's great. I like the idea of, of being kind of out in the outdoors and yeah. not necessarily it being like an endurance marathon running type thing it, it feels like not. it's probably very peaceful and but now i'm terrified of the sun so i don't Ugh, think i could too. just be out there like 
I have to be yeah bacon yeah no exactly exactly (laughs) that's another huge that's another huge part of it that's what I always think about people but no but like being from the desert I mean there are so many golf courses in Tucson and I just I look at all the people out in on a hot day in Tucson with no shade and think Boy, I hope it's worth it. Just turn it into jerky. It turn ain't it worth into it. jerky. It ain't worth it. Let's not do it. Let's. I won't. Do you, now. Do you miss horses? <laughs> I do. Um, my mom got rid of our last horse. Maybe how many when horses I was, did you have? What are you like seventy eight? Well, we kind of had like a little. Um, the term in the Midwest is hobby farm, uh, which I've collected. I love don't know it. if we say that out here. But I've never heard it, but I love every second of it. Because when I like went away to Chicago, which I kind of call my like adult home. That's, mm-hmm. where that's I, what I do with San Francisco. Like I'm from San Francisco. Yeah, kind of. That's where I feel more like I'm from. That's where like my reference level is from. Like yeah. everything before that's pretty hazy and like uh-huh. childland. Uh-huh. Um, so when I would tell people in Chicago, like, oh yeah, I grew up on a ranch, uh, they expect that to mean like a working right, like cattle ranch. Right. Whereas we weren't making any money off of it. Um, right. A so hobby. A at hobby any ranch. given time, we probably had like ten horses at I the said, most. See, that still seems like a ton to me because I only knew people who had like three horses, one yeah. for each member of the family, or you know what I mean. They're uh, not really like that. Yeah. Seems like a lot of horses. Yeah, and that was probably like way the most, and like when a couple of them had had. Also, um, aren't they expensive? To- well, we were always what my mom called horse poor, which means like <laughs> we. I'm learning, <laughs> as are the listeners. So many terms right now. Oh, I want you to incorporate that more into like. There's got to be a way to incorporate that better into your life now. Or someone's like the word horse. Wanna, yeah, do you want to go out tonight? You're like, ah, I'm a little horse poor. A right horse poor. I got I got a lot of beautiful stuff to call my own, but, but it's don't be fooled. But I'm not liquid. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so horse yeah. poor. Okay. We would kind of like adopt. There's a lot of like. There's a lot of people out in like rural communities that will have horses, or they'll be gifted animals, or they'll have a horse that has you know a colt or something that. They they can't afford to feed or take care of. So there's a lot of like adopting of like, mm-hmm. oh, our friend Deb didn't like get her paycheck this month, so she can't afford to feed Rusty. Do, can we keep him for two months or whatever? Gotcha. So a lot of times it was just like, t- who can best take care of these animals? That's how we'd end up with a ton of them, but also be living like so paycheck to paycheck. Sure, sure. Yeah. That's kind of a beautiful... I've now I've turned you into like Robin Hood. Thank you. Although I don't, so I don't remember much. you saying you stole anything. But <laughs> Damn it! Uh, no. The fact that you guys would make sacrifices in your day to day to take care of animals—that's a that's a really big deal. Yeah, that's all my mom. She's so like right now she has two Welsh corgis. You know those little teeny oh, yeah. queens dogs. Yep. Neither of them can like walk anymore. One of them like lives in a little baby crib that she pulls oh, around. No, but she just takes such good oh. care of animals she she if she sees a stray cat somewhere she'll like find scraps of food to feed it like her heart breaks every time she looks at an animal yeah no kidding (laughs) well this and you're painting a really interesting picture of your mom too because as you mentioned if she was a mounted sheriff and she was working as a corrections officer i think the in turn if we're talking about this the expectations people place to use it uh, uh kindly rather than saying stereotypes or whatever yeah um because most often i think good-hearted people aren't meaning to stereotype they're just we are a system of labelers like sure. we just sort of go you know um okay well corrections officer i imagine she's very tough yeah. uh, i imagine she's not bubbly she's probably you know i imagine clancy brown's character in uh shawshank redemption <laughs> like you know just totally. like shuts you down like no cereal this morning right <laughs> and here you describe your mom as this like you know a buoyant like f- wonderful bubbly funny yeah. charming person who loves animals um how does that does that make sense to you that that would be a surprise to someone it does because yeah. it's also your reality, so I'm sure 
it could also be that you're like, yeah, but that my mom did both things. So that seemed normal to me. Yeah, it definitely seemed normal. But also, I mean, I grew up meeting all of her friends and coworkers and she dated, you know, people who are corrections officers. So I know that she wasn't normal in that world at all. Got it. She definitely or, was Yeah, like, or you could say, I knew she was normal. They're all like that, Janet. How dare you yeah. <laughs> watch a couple of movies and decide you know what a corrections officer is like. No, they're kind of, um, they affectionately call each other knuckle draggers. Um <laughs> And they prefer the term guard. So it is like a tough kind of like hard. Mm -hmm. And she can be tough. I I always said that I think she likes animals more than people. Because she's seen like the worst of humanity all enclosed in Yeah, the simplicity to really being able to devote your heart to an animal is very uncomplicated in a way that relationships with people aren't. Yep. Um, And they don't say stupid shit. You know what I mean? Animals are just like, feed me what's up. (laughs) Feed me what's up. I'll sure I'll nuzzle you a little bit. A little bit, yeah. I'll nicker at you softly. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a term for what a horse. That's a sound. That's a horse sound, right? A nicker, nickering. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's weird terms that are like only the English use, and only people who ride English use uh-huh. for horses. Oh, interesting. And people who ride Western like don't really know those terms. Interesting. And I don't know either, so I'm not sure uh, where I'm getting my information. <laughs> but sometimes I'll hear a term that someone associates with a horse, and I'm like, I never heard that growing up. Oh, I think it's like jumping. No, let me explain. We were horse poor. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm on board. Uh, what was your, uh, if you, did you have favorites? Like, did you have a horse that was just for you? And did you oh, have, yeah. And did I, you have that relationship with him or it would be like, I had a really bad day, but I just went out and brushed my horse. Yeah, kind of. I had uh, my horse, Barb. She was with me for like, Barb. I love Barb. it. Horses have these insane, complicated names, like from the breeders. Oh so gosh, you know, I'm like, sure. Their lineage and stuff. I don't remember what hers was, but. Because when we got her, she was already nicknamed Barb, so I just always called her that. But um, it, I liked her because she was a little too small for me. Like, we got her when I was maybe like 15, and I was already kind of like big and tall. And I really should have had a much taller horse. I had this horse named Katie that was really tall, and but just like kind of wild. And I wasn't a strong enough rider to handle her. My mom wanted me to be able to compete and do all – there are these like uh, – events called like um hurry scurry and like they're these weird little like obstacle coursey sure, sure. and that's things. part of the rodeo as well yeah, yeah yeah so she wanted me to be able to do that on the weekends and i couldn't with katie the horse that actually fit me so when we got barb i think she was one we inherited from someone who was like going through a tough patch and uh she was just so sweet and she was a little bit older and she was like patient with me so i kind of learned to like ride with this one specific horse sure um and then we had to put her down when i was oh, 19 no. yeah Ugh. horses be getting sick man you I, just can't do anything i know it yeah that's tough yeah that's what that's something that i I, uh, these guys know when I, when my cat died, I, I did talk a lot about, uh, in fairness to the listener, not to go into animal territory forevermore. Amen on the podcast. But we talked a lot about dogs last week and we were talking about, um, when we lost our cats and stuff and just like, this is a, this is an incredibly callous and inaccurate thing to say, but somehow for me, the emotional weight of it is true. And so I apologize for it. Okay. But, um, like losing a small animal, it, there's at least it's small oh, versus I see. like, yeah. there's something very unavoidable about 
a lively prancing horse yeah. being still on the ground. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's how I feel about my dog. Like my cat was just, I, I associate her being curled up and sleeping so much anyway. And there was, I mean, it was the worst experience I yeah. think of my life in terms of, of feeling in the moment and saying goodbye to something, mm-hmm. but she was so small. And when I look at my dog, I'm, I'm so much more uncomfortable with the idea of him not having life in him. Yeah. And I'm even more uncomfortable at the idea <laughs> of a horse not having life. Like it just, a 2000 pound horse. Gi- it takes up so much room in this world yeah. to then be empty of uh, some sort of awareness and movement and spirit. You know what I mean? However yeah. you like to think of that. I think that's, that makes sense. You how did offend you, me. Thank you. <laughs> how did you, how did you handle that? I, I think that's when I discovered that I might be a sociopath. Because <laughs> <laughs> what I was, a great segue. <laughs> I was truly now like, now we're getting into it. Like, I mean, we didn't have to see her be put down. Thankfully we took her to the vet. We knew that she was colicking. Like you, you kind of know the signs of like, she was a little bit older. Like we, we had a lead up where we were like, this is going to end badly. Right. And so then the vet, you know, tells you, you know, there's nothing more we can do. We're going to have to, you know, you make the decision. So my mom and I like made the decision with the vet and then they usher you out. You get to like say goodbye and you leave and she's just standing there peacefully and she mm-hmm. looks comfortable and being taken care of. Um, and I knew she was in so much pain. And I remember my mom being so broken up and crying and like being so sad, and not wanting to leave. And I remember me kind of like gently having to pull my mom away because I was the more pulled together one. Yeah. I was just like, this is what's happening now. And now when I look back on that, I'm like, that was my fucking, why wasn't I broken up? Am I insane? Well, I understand I think, that. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, like my relationship to my two, my two little mice that my mom took more care of than me when I was really little. And when mm-hmm. they died and they lived a lot longer than they should have, cause she was so loving with them and she took such good care of them. She was giving them little dropperfuls of antibiotics Aww. when they would get sick and stuff. I mean, it was just, it was lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was shattered when they died and yeah. I was a kid and I didn't, I mean, I was, I was devastated when my cat got hit by a car when I was younger, but something about whatever I was going through in the age that I was when those mice died, I didn't have that same. And I remember feeling surprised. I remember feeling like, why am I not more? I should, I should feel more. It's not that I don't care, but I just, I don't feel lost about this. I feel like, well, that is what needed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've always been kind of like practical about things and I'm not like, I I don't know. I'm definitely like, it, it makes me sad, but I'm, I don't know. I, I do feel like a sociopath sometimes. I feel like I don't have normal human reactions to things. I, you, it sounds to me like more more often you're probably just the one that someone really likes having in an emergency because you can actually keep your shit together, which is not necessarily, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely the person that people call and I don't know. I also have done my share of calling people in a crisis. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the other thing is that you never know in the moment. And sometimes like our own responses surprise us because some yeah. things that I think I would be crazy about, I'm not. And then other things I'm like, why am I losing my shit right now? This seems like an overreaction. You know? Right. <laughs> um, so have you kept pets since? Yeah, I have one cat. Her name is Bernadette Peters. Um, love it. I would love to have a dog. I love dogs so much. I feel the same way about dogs as I do about kids. I love them. I wish that I could love them enough to want to have them. And I just... That's very reasonable. I'm just like, I don't want to deal with it right now. So uh, eventually, That's I'm sure I'll have both. That's the best present you could give either a, an unborn child or a child that you can't care for right now or yeah. a dog. I mean, it's better to know that you can't than, you know, I think, yeah. than, than do it. You know, people say that when you have kids, 
when you take the chance, you, you don't ever look back and you don't regret it. And I totally sure. appreciate that. I yeah. absolutely appreciate that. And I love people who just like fly in there and do it. Yep. Um, but I also feel like there's nothing wrong with saying I'm not that person or I'm not that person right now. Yeah. Definitely you know, not right now. Um, why is your cat named Bernadette Peters? I have to assume it's because you like Bernadette Peters. I love Bernadette Peters. She's wonderful. She's fantastic. And I got her, she's a little bit older. She's 15. So I got her when I was in college and I was really on this like, track to do musical theater i was like this is my calling this is all i'm gonna do um and so my favorite musical is sunday in the park with george Mm -hmm. and i had it on vhs tape in high school that i would just watch over and over until i had like worn out the section of the tape that has finishing the hat on it and uh, i just fell in love with that show and her and how she seemed so and still does uh but she always had this like quirky strange air to her yeah fits right in with everything you were talking about with the way you kind of felt and wanted to be seen as yeah just younger a little bit different she was an ingenue but she was so charactery and strange and that to me i was like oh this is the type of musical work i want to do i want to be weird you know and I don't know, likable, but just a little bit strange. Um, And now it's funny. As soon as I started doing musicals, I quickly got on a path to get out of them because (laughs) I was just like, oh, I'm not this. I'm not this earnest. And this is not (laughs) super fun. Yeah. Is it so? So were you singing a lot as a young person? As a a kid, you were singing. Was there like a choir or anything in in school? Or was that all kind of wrapped up in drama? No, I had a separate like choir, like competition singing kind of career where we all wore the same dresses and sang in like five part choral harmony. And I felt very accomplished doing that. We were called the select singers. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) Wonderfully snobby. Very snobby. There were like nine of us women that wore these like terrible renaissance gowns uh-huh. and went to competitions all over the straight all over the state and stuff um so yeah i was like oh i'll do this i'll do choir and then i'll go to school for theater and then the natural result is that i will then do musical theater and my god i think i just gave myself such i don't know i think i finally just woke up and was like this is not, you're not as good as the girls who take this so seriously and all they want to do. And also, frankly, being a person of color, like try to tell them that I don't want to just like belt and scream my face off and only be in the color purple or, you know, Lion King or whatever. I was, was going to, I was wondering <laughs> if that was something that you came across. Cause it's hard yeah. to, it's hard to know. Sometimes it feels like some theater does a great job of being sort of, you know, that like there are so many roles that, if yeah. not almost all roles that really just don't need a person to be Caucasian when you really break it down. It's yeah. like, why does it matter? But I didn't. And so sometimes it seems like there's a good mix and then sometimes, but it's it's yeah. interesting to hear that, that that wasn't really your experience. And I think because I wasn't like that great yet. I think like right when I got out of college, I was still so green that like they're either going to shove me in the chorus or you know, I'm going to get pigeonholed a little bit. I'm not such a stunning, I wasn't such a stunning actress yet that I was going to get some like amazing, very interesting casting. Maybe she could be Dot in Sunday in the Park with No, I was 22. Right. You know. It's so funny because I totally see that Bernadette Peters of you. And I, <gasps> and I totally so see, no, I just see you sliding right into all of those roles. So oh, that you. seems like a no brainer to me. But obviously I'm, I'm not a casting director working with a 22 year old you. But, uh, you know, that's, that seems like go back in time. in there. I mean, 
Listen, if I could have my second calling, clearly that's what it would be to make right. you a huge Broadway musical star, even though you became clear that you didn't want to. Thank you. I, Wait, did you move to New York to do that? Or no, you, Chicago. From Chicago, mm-hmm. which is, there's still tons and tons of theater there. Yeah, I mean, Chicago's the greatest. I think it's the greatest theater city in the world. Sorry, everybody. But I'll say my, my, my reasoning for that, I love New York. My reasoning for saying that is because you can make a living being a theater artist in Chicago, just in case anyone is looking to, you know, tread the boards sure, <laughs> and not have to be a barista, move to Chicago because the standard of living and the you get paid and there's enough equity houses. Like That's I, really good to know. I literally made a living being a stage live performer. That's crazy to that say. That is amazing. And else. you're right. That's that New York and San Francisco kind of share this. L.A. I think is is livable. I mean, L.A. is livable in the in the sense that, you know, if you. I was talking about this with a few friends who, you know, have have kind of put in their time here and been here mm-hmm. years and years and this idea that it kind of does, and I'm sure there are people be people who disagree with me, but I do feel like this is such a large system of cities yeah. that you really can come here and you can survive as waiting tables or you can survive as a voiceover actor or you can survive as a teacher or you can survive working at Home Depot or you can survive, you know? Yeah. And so there's a lot of, there's an immense amount of wealth here, but there's also um, a way to be here. That's not poverty. And because of the, honestly, like the weather helps, you know, things like yeah. that. Um, and I think that's something that I've come to embrace about LA because I do feel like New York and San Francisco hold on to these like struggling artists, reputations mm-hmm. like these identities of like yeah this is where the brilliant people come to you know make it and like you know they yeah they're living in a tiny room but like they're they're getting their shit together and they're gonna make you know they're gonna make it and not yeah. just in in acting but in any kind of you know art yeah um, or sometimes industry and i just feel like less and less that feels true it feels more like there's you can't do that there yeah you know struggling. those are places that you can't really you can't find yourself really in a in a, in a reasonable safe healthy <laughs> it's affordable hard, way right? the way you can it sounds like in a place like chicago so i think that yeah. is important stuff to think about and talk about yeah it's yeah it seems i've never lived in new york but it, my friends who do are it just seems so much harder and the ones who make it work god bless them man yeah <laughs> i, lo- I want to go back to what you were saying about the idea of the earnestness of it because oh, i yeah. i that's something i kind of backed up against too is really? i think i was i loved singing and i loved playing guitar and i loved the sort of like folksy musicy side and like rock starishness of singing yeah and i loved theater and it was really hard for me to marry those two yeah. because a lot of the stuff that was being performed i just couldn't I just didn't care yeah. about the, I didn't care about the, the actual music enough, nor mm-hmm. did I care about the storyline enough. It's like, I wanted, especially as a young person, I wanted like really gritty, great, you know, yeah. theater. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to do Oklahoma. And yet mm-hmm. as a person who loves like the music man, you know, that's, there's nothing terribly yeah. intense about that. So I, yeah, but that, but I really, I really understand that. Is that something that you felt like you wanted more kind of grit or did you just want more humor that felt, like it had something subversive to it or hmm. oh subversive is a good yeah i think that sounds more like what i wanted i think i wanted like i think i wanted to feel okay that i wanted to make weird choices and you know i went to a regular acting school i went to depaul and got a great education like doing kind of traditional acting work and i'm happy i did that um but in application i felt like my strengths have always come from just a sense of like uh, i don't know like 
I, I just work better when I'm a little bit flippant or a little ironic. And that, of course, led me to eventually find the second city or rather they found me. So once I found like my improv and sketch career, I pretty much put away all musical theater and I joined a couple bands so i was like oh i can just sing over here there and then go. act and do comedy over here and they don't ever have to that's mix. right exactly right that's fucking great exactly right yeah absolutely. so that felt better but yeah like now the only I, I would love to do a musical like once a year i think that'd be super fun but i think it would have to be a comedy like i just can't and it's not that i don't enjoy watching but it's the same way i feel about like even auditioning for tv dramas i'm like you know what the chicks who do that those girls who are so serious and want to, you know, wear tank tops and show their... <laughs> I always picture, like, these tank top girls in auditions. <laughs> tank top girls who are also somehow talking about, like, the body and decomposition. Oh, yeah. There's always a body and decomposition or some kind of, like, sciencey jargon because they're playing a medical examiner, but always just tank tops and, like, just stern faces. I just don't... I don't stack up against them in the same way that I don't stack up against the chicks who are going out for the color purple. I'm just like, I know my little, my little corner in the world, thankfully now, and not to say it won't ever change, but I'm so much more comfortable just doing things that feel a little lighter, I think. Yeah. Were you, when you were talking about the kind of like quirkiness and silliness, even as a a teenager, was that something that you were reflecting? You were talking about having like a kind of a handful of nerve friends and stuff. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. My, um, my best friends in high school were, um, Char and Stephanie and Char is, uh, still, she's working in like film production. She was always trying to make like very deep indie films that I was always, because I was her actor friend, I was always crashing into and like turning them into garbage farces basically. (laughs) (laughs) She had a great sense of humor too, but she really was trying to, you know, be this very epic kind of filmmaker. And I'd be like, what if the camera finds me in a closet and I'm just eating a brick of cheese? What about that? (laughs) So she would humor me, but... We would have got along just yeah. fine in high school. Oh, Maybe yeah. we need to make some videos, yeah. Janet. Yeah, I could definitely <laughs> get into that. But there were a lot of like, and we were kind of all in the drama department, but there were always these weird little side projects. We'd be like, okay, we get that you guys are doing Blythe Spirit. We get that. But we're going to do this weird hip hop Beastie Boys spoken word musical thing. Don't worry about it. It has to do with Greek mythology. And <laughs> For whatever reason, like whatever English teacher we tricked or choir teacher we tricked into letting them think this was fulfilling some sort of requirement, we just like run with it until they were like, you can't do this anymore. One time I did do um, a stage version of Evil Dead. Oh, this is great. Of course you did. I was in sixth grade and our teacher was talking about Evil Dead, but she was mistaking it for another movie and she didn't realize it. So when the class was like showing an interest in it, we were like, yeah, like we loved it. And she was like, you guys like that film? What and I, was she, Do we know what she thought it I was? I can't remember. That's what trying to remember, yeah. I need to look it up and because she was because we were in sixth grade we were far too young for her to assign this as a project (laughs) for us to then turn into a script and act out and we ended up doing it and the day we performed it she was like her face my god i'll never forget her face she was mortified she couldn't believe what she was seeing and she was just like this isn't the this isn't the movie oh my god so terrified I don't know what even so was it just you and your friend like were you acting on all the parts I need a a better picture of of how this (laughs) went down okay in like 
in like a 30 person class there were at least 10 of us involved okay i know that i was mainly like kind of assistant directing i think this boy named robert was like had deemed himself director men am i right i know (laughs) and then i remember i really wanted to play a zombie and so i had like cut up a bunch of my dad's clothes and Mm. was like a a zombie but there was a lot of like it was very like michelle gondry kind of like (laughs) paper mache like lights moving I remember it being really beautiful and cool. And then our teacher's face afterwards being like, I'm going to get fired. Should we just make something up? Yeah. She thought it was. Yeah. Something of more like it's, sociological significance. Yes. It almost seemed like she thought it was more of like a historical or had some kind of educational bent. Because uh-huh. I remember her being really like big on history and stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> nope. That's a great story to be able to tell. I Thank mean, you so much. Amazing. My, one, of my, one of my sketch best partners did, um, wrote a, 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 like a, a school version of Spies Like Us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, again. That's awesome. That's just pure gold. Like, yeah. You get to hold on to that for the rest of your days. Yep. I think that's absolutely wonderful. <laughs> um, and what were your? Did you have crushes? Did you date? Did you? What was that like oh, for you in high school? I did not date, and I. I mean, I had little crushes, but I was so removed. What was the diversity like in your high school? Were you, um. Were there many there were a lot of Latinos and there were a lot of Mormons. Um, so it was kind of like Latino and white. That was pretty much it. There were black people. There were a lot of Asians, actually. I should not not remember them. I remember only because I remember finding the Asians. Like I went to the Asian Pacific Islanders like lunch club because I was like, maybe they will accept me. <laughs> oh, no. As part of your... Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Chinese characters on my. A lot of Chinese characters. A lot of. A lot of chopsticks in the hair. You know, um, my best friend Char is Filipino, and so I was always at her house, and I was like, I learned to cook from her mom, kind of. So I, I very much felt like trans Asian, if I can use a term in the zeitgeist. Sure, sure. <laughs> oh God, kill me. Um, but yeah, I think I was just like there weren't a lot of black kids, and so I was kind of looking for culture and. Uh, I don't know. I had a lot of Mormon friends there too because my family wasn't super religious. So I was kind of like trying to be adjunct Mormon sometimes mm-hmm. too. I was just, man, Janet, I was just trying to be cool with whoever would take me. Well, these guys know <laughs> I, my mom was Mormon, so I had a good group with my mom through high school. Oh, so cool. They're so nice. If they, if you enjoy being around them and you're not Mormon, that's very exciting to them. And I don't mean that in like a one of us, one of us. <laughs> Yeah. I really don't think of it the way I'm sure there are people who would say, yes, it is actually like born again or, and by the way, plenty of born again Christians who would be like, no, please don't label me that way. Right. <laughs> but, this, but this idea of I'm going to save you, it's not that. I mean, no. It's very much like, come over to where we are. It feels great. Yeah. It's so great. We have this great close relationship with God and Jesus and yeah. you know, we make, we bake a lot and we are very, have a very strong family structure and we're very involved in charitable organizations. Yeah. It was a very like upbeat, you know, that was the part of it that I appreciated. Even as I was like dropping acid, I still was like, oh, these kids, what a bunch of great kids those kids They're are. so great. You know? Sure, they don't understand my deep, deep darkness, darkness, but like what a great, you know, what a funny, silly, great group yeah. of kids. They were all in choir too. I remember that's why sure, I really fell in I, with them. I love that singing is a huge part of the Mormon religion. 
children. Yeah. So I totally get that. And I was a good kid. So I think it was easy for me to be like, oh, you guys don't drink or swear either? Sweet. That was my next question. <laughs> did they try, did they say, come to church with us? We think you'd really mm, like it. Not once. <laughs> I, <laughs> never. They were not doing their jobs. I think there's a weird thing with like, uh, I don't want to generalize here, but I don't think a lot of black people uh, become Mormon. So I, I don't think yeah. there was any prejudice on their part, but I think they assumed that I would not be interested. Yeah. And they were probably right. I didn't want to go to any church. Yeah. But although I did go to a Catholic church for a while for the choir because they had a killer choir and I was like, I want to sing. Yeah. But yeah, no, there was never. I also had a Jehovah's Witness friend and she was basically like, we don't have a lot of black people there. You might not want to go. <laughs> I was like, that's this whole town, man. I'm used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's your Baptist church? Why aren't you Why aren't you wearing a beautiful hat in the church? God, I wish. Just slinging all of that at you. God, I wish I could just like have every black stereotype have that have had that experience once <laughs> so that I could claim it and not feel like a huge poser. Well, when you went to Chicago, there's a there's a wonderfully diverse population yeah. of, of, you know, just because you're black doesn't mean you're like the other black person that you're coming across. I mean, there's exactly. a really great cross section of all different kinds of people of all colors and yeah, once creeds. you once you cross the invisible racial lines that horribly segregate the city. Sure, sure. But it, What's weird is all my comedy friends who are white grew up on the South Side oh, and really? were like around a bunch of black kids. Yeah. Well, yeah, because there's like South Side Irish, so there's a huge like white. Yeah, that's what a lot of them are. Yeah, there's yeah. a huge white Irish Catholic population down there, and you know, there's obviously like South Side blacks, but then there's also like a seriously Mexican pocket down in like Little Village and Pilsen. I could talk about Chicago for years, but that's not what this podcast is about. Well, I mean, I'll listen to it. I'll, I'll talk about Chicago. I, I, I have a great respect for it, you know? Yeah. I love, I feel like that's where I learned to be a black person. <laughs> like in California, you know, race isn't really, in my experience as a kid, it wasn't dealt with like positively or negatively. It was just kind of a neutral, not talked about thing. And it wasn't until I got to college and spent time in a city that's very predominantly black and where the you know the wealth margins are insanely you just see the segregation like yeah like i'd never seen before in my life and it really taught me like oh th- there are so many ways to live which is such a general statement but i really learned like i always joke that i learned that there were different kinds of white people when i moved to chicago because uh-huh. <laughs> suddenly i was like oh i'm in a polish neighborhood oh i'm in like a weird armenian like there are different there are different white folk you ain't just all- yeah you're and not that just it still all, like, means something having a great time. There's, yeah. Which, I mean, you know, you obviously see here in Los Angeles, you sort of still have yeah. the kind of blurring lines, but you'll see suddenly a little, you know, little Filipino town and then suddenly like little Armenia. And yeah. So, you know, okay, well, this is this is definitely obviously a pocket where a certain type of culture settled, but totally you're not really going through like little Irish town. No. I don't think. No. Is there a little, is there an Irish I area? I think so. Well, Chicago. Maybe. Chicago's also like behind Boston. I think they're like the most Irish city in the yeah. country, aren't they? Oh yeah, we, I'm only we, judging we hear by about our those St. Patty's Day parades. Oh, God, those nightmares! All I know is that whenever anyone <laughs> needs to disappear into a crowd in Chicago, luckily there's always a St. Patty's Day parade <laughs> going on, and you can turn a corner, put on a green hat, just like in yep. the Fugitive, and, and get just lost in the crowd. Duck away somewhere. Just That's put on right. your Blackhawks jacket, and That's right. No it's one will- really convenient. How often an action. Uh, movie features a parade <laughs> yep they even canceled one of them in chicago because it was too rowdy so now there's only oh, like four someone... yeah. oh oh okay so they canceled like there were four going on simultaneously on st patrick's day kind of or... it's kind of a whole week oh okay so one of them the south side parade had gotten too like violent and crazy because that's like the epicenter of like 
Southside Irish. And I was fried, yeah. I think it just got too nutty, and so they started canceling it. Can I be honest with, with you about something? Even yeah. Even though I'm, I know I got some Irish in me on my mom's dad's side. Sure. I'm not sure who St. Patrick was. Like, I don't know what he did for the Irish that it's so important. You know, they kind of need a rebranding. Because all it looks like right now is like scary red-faced white men who probably are going to get drunk drunk and scream in my face. So yeah, (laughs) I don't know what St. Patty did either. Yeah, I don't. But can you, without, I mean, that's a, you made a general statement that I thought was lovely and I don't want to put you on the spot and and challenge you on it. It's not that. I'm just wondering when you say, and and you were kind of talking about it when you say you feel like you learned how to be a black person there. Yeah. uh, In addition to just sort of like seeing the disparity in, you know, community and wealth and all that kind of stuff. Um, what, what else, what, what else was that like for you? Do you know what I mean? Like what, how yeah. kind of, I think I just felt like you talking about it in school, for example, or was it, you know, definitely. Yeah. I definitely like discovered James Baldwin and like my brain exploded and I was like, Oh my God, he's a black gay Hemingway sort of like yeah. if I can be kind of reductive about his work, but yeah, I, I think I discovered artists. It's not that I wasn't interested in it as a kid. It's just that in trying to be different, I think what was easiest for me was to try and be like a little alt kid. So I was way into like, you know, I was like trying to like, I don't know, I was listening to the Pixies and like trying to be so like alternative and punkish that I kind of like missed a lot of like 90s rap and R&B and like traditionally black music. So when I got to college, I was sort of catching up on all of that, taking a lot of like, you know, um, uh, black you know african-american cinema type classes okay good that is kind of what i was wondering yeah a great opportunity to sort of and i think i just like i don't know it's became more interesting to me to like explore both because as my good friend and writing partner chelsea devant has told me that my secret white side is my superpower (laughs) (laughs) the fact that i know like lyrics to every eagle song about the pixies you're in pretty good shape right there with all hey, you're absolutely right i was a huge pixies fan yeah, yeah woo. Absolutely. <laughs> i still i listen to pixies maybe once a day they're kind of they're kind of my fave yeah. um but yeah so i think i just learned that i could like embrace both sides and be I'm, I'm sure i was always still just trying to be different and weird and being both is maybe my greatest currency in being weird so I think, well i think it's a big deal and i think i mean i talk a lot about i think i've i've when i tread into the waters of conversation about race i'm i'm always nervous because i live in the world that i live in and yeah you know i think there's this um this fear that a lot of people have about being unconsciously racist or making state you know sure not if you are not black what can you know about the black experience all that kind of stuff yeah um this hesitation to you know like i i phil mar uh like I can't remember why we were talking about it or what, but like he was like, "Do do a black voice, do a black voice." What? And I was like, oh, no, "I feel really weird about this. I feel really weird about this." Like there's still this sort mm-hmm. of you know, um, even though why have black friends and it's not you know, yeah. But um, but I think there is this st- this still kind of thing, and I think part of it is, and it's the same conversation uh, about Hillary. And I'm not going to go down the political road because everybody knows already that I have very complicated feelings about all of that. Of course, um, Trump 2016. But, of course, know, I mean, that's all the way. All all the way through and through. Just put up a bone, wall. To the bone. In my bones, I feel that way. Um, no, but I mean, I guess that's that. It's sort of, I remember people saying, 
Like, you know, it has nothing to do with the fact that Barack's black. I just, I don't agree with this policy. Like, it, that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. And it's the same with Hillary. It's like, I know, but you, we're not living in this world where you think it, you can't, it doesn't, it does. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It like, does and you don't even know it. Pretend, like, she's not a woman. She's just a politician you don't like. And we can't pretend like he's a politician you just don't care for, but he's black. Like, mm-hmm. that still has to enter into the conversation because we don't live in a colorblind world where it's like, well, he would make the 40th black president. So I can honestly say from the bottom of my heart, it has nothing to do with his race. Yeah. It's just, and I'm not saying that, you know, someone might say, oh my God, I would love Hillary to be president, but, you know, because I really want to see a woman be president. And I'm really struggling with her values because I feel that she, while a woman and, you know, advancing us in this way is very institutionalized in this mm. way. I think a lot of women feel that way sure. about her. And there's a sort of that struggle with Bernie. Um, but yeah. I think that's what's interesting about kind of what you're bringing to the table. And I do think it's really valuable because you have this experience of seeing the world through the eyes of like, well, let's just blur the lines and pretend like all culture is everyone's culture. And yeah. we don't want to isolate you, but we also don't want to, you know, but but we also will exclude you with the assumption you won't be interested in certain things like totally. to have that experience and then to be able to go as a, as a, as a young person, but a not child mm-hmm. and kind of discover more about, you know, communities and cultures and backgrounds that you can attach to in a way that you never could have yeah. the Mormon world or whatever. <laughs> that's a big deal. You know, I think that's really important. It's really cool. I think you put that better than I ever could have. <laughs> because I'm white. <laughs> that's right. I'm Thank very wise. You. Thank you, white woman. I'm very wise. Thank Let me you, go ahead woman. and I'll make all your choices for you because Please I know what's best for you. Speak for me. <laughs> oh, God. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's a tricky, it's a tricky, I mean, we could do a whole other podcast just on that. Um, But I think that that's, but it is stuff that I think we should still talk about because I don't think we're, that's a problem with PC, right? Is I don't, sometimes I feel that that means we don't talk about something instead of like, we talk about it and we put ourselves in places where we're not sure we're saying what we should be saying. Yeah. And that's the only way to find out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Otherwise it just becomes like, well, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to offend someone that's like, okay, good. Well then you just ostracize yourself from this community of people and vice versa. Yeah. I'm always, I always talk about it and I feel like I'm always kind of because largely my currency is humor and wit. Like I've never, (laughs) I've never really tried to skate by on like legitimate intelligence or looks or anything. I'm always just says a beautiful, (laughs) well-spoken, woman thank you i am always trying to just make people laugh um but i feel like i feel empowered especially in the last like five or eight years now to really like just anytime something is a a racial issue to feel that i can bring it up in a way that's not going to be confrontational but just gets everybody thinking to make sure that all of these people that i'm working with really are sure of what they're saying and that that's really what they want to be saying because this is how it could be perceived yeah 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 and 90 percent of the time people are like oh interesting point and they think about it and they do with it what they will 10 percent of the time people get freaked out but I, those are pretty good odds. Yeah, absolutely. I always say like if I have to, if I, if somebody who's not a person of color or not, you know, if someone who's straight and white and whatever has to think about minority issues a tenth of the amount that I have to think about it, I think that's fair. Yes. Because like we should all be kind of like 
thinking about this stuff, yeah, right? I think that's so well said. Without it you, being a downer? <laughs> uh, with, without it being a downer, yeah. And then mm. if it has to be a downer sometimes, then that's also okay, you know? Sometimes stuff has to be a downer, sometimes man. stuff has to be a downer. Bumper sticker, hashtag. Yay. Sometimes stuff has to be a downer. Long. That's a long hashtag. Trump 2016. Trump. Hashtag Trump 2016. <laughs> Amazing. Tony, I gotta get into the Smash game. I can't believe it. The time what? has oh, God. flown by. I'm a yapper. Uh, listen, I gotta get the musical question out, uh, just out there because okay. it, one of the questions uh, these guys know I like to ask is especially with theater kids um, is roles that w- would have been fun to play and here you opened the podcast essentially no by talking about uh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead ah. so I'm gonna say you mu- on the musical side three roles that in our uh, alternative uh, mash universe uh, you have the opportunity to play um, regardless of age color Ooh. class anything like that whether or not it's in your vocal range who cares okay this is just a f- three fun characters in three musicals that you're like oh, it would be so fun to play you know so and so okay um i think i would love to be in Ooh, god i love gene kelly so much okay i'm gonna say gene kelly's role in an american in paris great 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 um and then i gotta get sunday in the park in there but i'm gonna choose i'm gonna choose george i'm gonna choose mandy patinkin's role great um and then i've done the whiz so many times but i still i legitimately love it so much but i think i'd like to be um i think i'd like to be the uh the scarecrow in the whiz i always love the tin man song i love the tin man too can i take it back i want to be the tin man yeah i I see you really i mean come on if i could feel through me that's pretty great um that's sad i was just talking about that that uh with someone isn't is it recently the anniversary of the whiz or something because i feel like it came back up in conversation uh they did that live one which i did not see so that must be i didn't see it either but i but that's a perfect example right of something that it's confusing because again we talk about this sort of idea of a colorblind role i do feel like i had that as a kid and i'm not saying that's good yeah but as a kid who was going to a you know 50 percent plus uh school with hispanic kids and there were within that there was it was like 51 percent right. hispanic and then 49 percent everybody else so that meant asians and mexicans lots of mexicans because it's tucson but mm-hmm. uh, asians and black kids and right. uh and the junior high that i went to was in a completely black neighborhood and so i feel like i was in that world and i had no sense of like i'm this and you're that like right. not at all I thought Las Posadas was Christmas. Like to me, it was like yeah. they're the same. And the and I was using the Wiz as an example, which was like I had no sense of it as being about. For me, it wasn't about like, hey, this is about the black experience, or hey, we've taken this thing that is like, you know, yeah. white as can be, it's like the white breadiest you know movie ever, right? And we've and we've totally turned it into being about something else and about something meaningful and about something that has historical significance to uh, you know a culture of people. Yeah. But in my mind, it was just like, oh, that's the one I like better. Like that's the one that makes sense to me that I yeah. can relate to that feels real and honest in a way that I never felt about the Wizard of Oz. So yeah. it's interesting that it can mean so many different things depending on the meaning that you're looking for that yeah, you need, you the know? context that you're watching it in well, for sure. how, what have you done when you've been in, in the whiz have you been in all the different oh, women roles i'm always glinda because if we really want to go down a rabbit hole and talk about weird racism within the black community being light-skinned means you're always going to play glinda whereas Got i it. always wanted to be at a pearl that was lena horn in the movie yeah, yeah like yeah. the light-skinned lena horn yep <laughs> the, the very light-skinned lena horn it's interesting it's so annoying because i was like oh man i don't want to come in and be this sweet again earnestness yeah i want to be this sweet woman singing a feel good about yourself song yeah i want to be a weirdo 
Isn't that interesting? <laughs> My whole life. Even within the casting of that show. Yeah. I played Glinda God, twice. so strange. And I didn't have the notes for Dorothy, and I've always looked and sounded 35, so <laughs> I could never play Dorothy. But what about the Wicked Witch? Um, the witch? Oh, the no. The sweatshop witch. The witch is always a heavy set black woman. But this is just because of what they saw in the movie, it seems like. This is what black people do. This is how oh. we pigeon ourselves in as much as white people do it to us. Everyone is oh, to blame, damn it. For heaven's sake. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had to play Sandy in Greece if it makes you feel any better because oh, I nice. certainly didn't look like a Rizzo and I was bitter, 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 bitter. You know, my one of my favorite roles in Greece, I played Patty Simcox, the cheerleader. Yeah. And I was like, yes, finally I can just be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> And annoying, I'm sure you were. Oh, yeah, man. As that role was meant to be. Oh, yeah. Well played. It bled into my life. Well played. I love it. Uh, okay. Next category will be, um, let's do, well, let's do vacation homes. So three vacation homes. It couldn't be, it can be uh, real places in the world, but it yeah. could also be like Narnia or, you know, oh. Saturn. A place that right now might not be physically possible, but in this fantasy world, it is. Got it. Well, um, I reject your notion of fantasy because I'm a a realist. (laughs) Okay, wonderful, wonderful. (laughs) But no, um, I've thought about this a lot. I want to build a weird, tiny shipping container home on the beach in Belize. Great. Specifically in Hopkins. Wonderful. And then uh, I think I want one in like the Balkans. I want one in like uh, southern Croatia. Okay, okay. Dalmatian coast kind of. Love it. Well. And then I think I got to have a little mountain hot spring retreat outside of Tokyo. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. God, you really made all of these come alive in my mind for me immediately. Thank you. I'm Mm -hmm. a bit of a word painter. (laughs) Indeed. Mm. Uh, Okay. Next category will be, uh, you know what? Let's trot this one out since we're talking about this this amazing place that you're going to have to spend with someone. Okay. Let's do alternate universe uh, sexy times, alternate universe spouse. Um, Could be anything from, you know, the sort of idea of this long-term partnership to like, oh, I think this person's super hot and I just want to go to bed with them. Oh, just like a, just like a a no holds barred, no strings bang fest. Yeah, I mean, also, (laughs) you know, listen, if you want to have a repeated, uh, listen, guys, I got to tell you right now, 100%, that hummingbird has built a nest in that (gasps) and it is what a joy it's just very exciting this is this it's gonna be a great summer (laughs) um (laughs) this is a big deal okay i'm gonna take a picture of it i'll post it on the facebook oh my god my husband takes pictures of hummingbirds whenever we're on vacation he loves them so much we'll go through our vacation pictures when we get home there will be 35 pictures you're like where were we even because these are all close-ups and could be anywhere as long as there's hummingbirds (laughs) close-up of a hummingbird oh my gosh well all due respect to said husband uh yes and and so yeah so it's like you know use this as you will and it can be um again i know you're a realist but it could also be like it could also be like so-and-so's character in the movie such and such like maybe you don't want you know ryan reynolds the person but you want because (laughs) because you don't know him what you want is the version of him that we know as blank you know oh van wilder for example (laughs) i'm sure that's at the top of got it van wilder number one um okay okay you know okay um i really love that movie i don't know the actor's name but i remember as a girl this was who i was like i want to marry a guy like that um the movie the big blue oh my um, god totally with <gasps> Luke, uh with jean renault oh yeah but the, but the other guy who plays the deep the yeah, deep sea diver yeah the dreamer oh the dreamer god. like rosanna yeah. arquette's like god, losing her name? shit he's very very beautiful man he had a name that was like very french but i yeah. think probably his character though because he was yeah. so like yep 
internal and moody yep. i totally remember that the whole thing where he's like has is feverish and seeing like the reflections yeah. of water on the wall like, and stuff he's a impactful. dolphin she's like splashing yeah. around in the water like, exactly begging him to love her exactly. <laughs> God. I know it. I know it so well. I love that movie. Oh, perfect. Okay. 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 That guy. So yep. there's one. And then, um, by the way, his name is now Big Blue. <laughs> Big Blue. Yes. Big Mine Blue as well. guy. Um, and then, well, Idris Elba. I mean, yeah. let's get it. Let's get it. Am out. I alive? I know. Are you a person with blood coursing through your veins? Has anyone not said his name in this game? Because honestly, living in I, yeah, I was. I really think he transcends everything. Like men, women, straight, gay, yeah. white, not white. He's everything. Because that's what I categorize people as. Yeah. They're white or whatever. You're something else. men, women, white, or something Not white. I I know it's not what I am, so I don't don't care to know more. Uh, Big Blue. It's your business. Idris Elba. Um, And then uh, let's do a a weird one. Let's give me like a weird... I need like a real funny guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe like a, uh, since I love Gene Kelly so much, maybe like a real jokester, like a Donald O'Connor. Oh, great. Sure, sure, sure. Because we would just laugh yeah. and tap dance just, and laugh. I lo- love it. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag laugh, tap dance, lash, laugh. <laughs> Hashtag Trump 2016. <laughs> um, amazing. Okay. Three foods that uh, in this world, probably not something you should have all day, every day. Oh, but okay. in our MASH universe, mm-hmm. it's like vitamins. Oh, yeah. Snapping your fingers could be like, just to build on a cliche, yeah. a slice of pizza from Chicago that you don't feel that you can get here. Hey. <laughs> that's, that's the only response that that deserved. Just the deep dish uh, it didn't, piece of didn't deserve anything else. Uh, uh, or it can just be something as you know basic as like chocolate chip cookies. For sure. Three. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go buffalo wings. They're my favorite food on the planet. Great. Um... I think I want like a I want like a super sea salty truffle French fry. Mm, yeah, it is situation. And then yeah. um, probably something real sweet, but also like salty. Mm-hmm, Maybe like mm-hmm. can I say like kettle corn? Did I just, oh yes. Am I a child? Oh my god! Do no, those three kettle corn. They me? really figured it out. I think I'm a child oh, looking at those three. This foods. is great. Buffalo wings. Sea salt, truffle fry, kettle corn. What's up, bro? Hey, what up? <laughs> Dishes are done, man. <laughs> Amazing. I, that is literally the most I know about that movie now. All it's I know all is someone said the dishes are done and tucked their long boy hair behind their ear. That's all I have. That's all you need. That's all I need. Oh, amazing. Okay. Uh, you mentioned time travel. Now, I know that it was yeah. in reference to me going back and becoming a casting director for 20 Trolled You, but oh, right. time travel, future, past, way distant past, recent past, whatever you want. Three. Does any black person say past? Uh, no. No. Zero. We know better. Zero. Um, Zero. So I'm only going to go future where I assume uh, we're the dominant race. There it is. There it is. <laughs> um, yeah. So I got to go like, I got to go just like way distant future. I also, I like technology and I'm not scared of it. And I don't think phones are melting our brains. Good. All I'm, right. I'm happy to be proven wrong, but I don't really, I'm not yeah. worried about it's it. It's a better way to live, to look forward instead of, look, you know, looking right? ahead in fear, I guess. Yeah. I right? mean, there's, there's times in the past I would love to go to, but I think I'd have to have a different face and skin. You know what? Let me say this though. First of all, if you want that to be a political statement, <laughs> that's fine because okay. I don't disagree with you on any level. <laughs> 
And certainly, to a certain degree, I've talked about that with yeah. other women, too, where we're like, well, I don't want to go to most of the places where women were property. Nope. <laughs> if it was a situation where you're almost like astral projecting, where you're sort of getting a chance to see something, Ooh. witness, bear witness to it, or just like see, like solve a curious mystery, like, who did shoot JFK? Like, that yeah. also could be part of this, like, pat, you know, adventure to the past. Yeah. Then I, okay, then if I was just anything, just like neutral... Yeah, then I'd probably just go back to like the most horrific plantation. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Perfect. <laughs> I'd just be like, yeah, I'd just be hanging out with yeah, people so committing real atrocities. <laughs> Here we go. Can't do anything to stop it. Just going to watch it. Just observe. I'm just bearing yeah. witness. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I really gave you that option. Distant future. Yeah. But now I have two more. Okay. So I like, love Yeah. What questions. do you think? Do you want me to go plantation? Oh. Wait. Oh, oh, I'm supposed to say two. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then I'll give you a real past one um, instead of my political political humor. Um, also or, important. There's also a place for that here. You got to get it out there. Um, I think a real pa- I think I would like to see like a, an ancient Egypt, if I can be so Great. cliche. Great. No, listen. There's a reason that those places are fascinating because yeah. they're fucking fascinating. <laughs> they're like magical and weird. Yeah. Um, I also think I, I really like I some of my favorite music came out of that little window between 68 and 72 right. so right i just want to be right in there uh do you have a preference of where to be um i want to be in like sf or like uh i, I think i want to be like on st mark street like great going to the cbgb when i can great. going to the you know absolutely absolutely okay great listening to the hollies yeah get in there get in there uh okay great uh next category is three um let's do you know what i am gonna do three movies that you can jump into that are like it's <gasps> it's a real world on whatever that level that means for you so you can just kind of like go in i'll use harry potter as an example like you're living at hogwarts hanging out Ooh. it doesn't make you have to like choose which character you are because this is just like a world you get to go into got it so any like it's a set to my life mm-hmm. um the talented mr ripley great free creepy murder <laughs> sorry spoiler guys <laughs> great <laughs> Um, great i love that movie god i love god, that movie so good i think that movie made me fall in love with travel oh yeah i was like oh italy what huh have you seen uh ripley's game no wait oh yes with john malkovich yes i really like that movie too i haven't seen it in 100 percent different but the idea of john malkovich being a grown-up ripley yep great tom ripley see it guys i need to revisit no one has that. seen it it's actually quite it's a really it's a great I like to say uh, the one of my favorite categories of movie is the Home Alone category, yeah. which is to say it's not just the movie Home Alone, but it's, oh, shit, someone's coming to get me. What do I have around yeah. that I can protect myself with? Because you and my shit now. Yep. That's basically what I call a Home Alone movie. It's got a wonderful Home Alone quality to it. I love the Home yeah. Alone genre. Yeah. Shit, what can I use? Like to- Skyfall. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. we got to go back to my house. Yep. I got to. Y'all, def- I got to bend. I got to nail some nails to boards and put them <laughs> facing up in front of the doors. Fuck you, wet bandits. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> okay. Talented Mr. Ripley. Great choice. That's definitely Two one. More. Okay. Uh, and then maybe like a, uh, maybe like Gattaca. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I'm trying to think of what some of my favorite. Yeah, there you go. In Gattaca, there was just like. 
people of all races they were just perfect yeah and they were like, they were just all beautiful and smart and perfect <laughs> which is interesting because i see gattaca as an allegory for people of color like the invalids versus the people who can get jobs because of their literally their bloodline yeah i, I felt like that your was genetics like, your genetics that's yeah. it, it's, it's, when you boil it down it's as simple as that it was a passing narrative in the same way that like an imitation absolutely. of life was a passing narrative. absolutely it was literally like what can you pass for yeah um uh, so but I will say, especially in Gattaca, the idea that people are just constantly shooting up into the sky and that the that space travel is just like, this is what we do. Oh, it's great. Oh, my God. I love that, too. Yeah. And it scared me a little. Yeah, oh. me too. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Okay. And then I'm going to do an oldie, like like an old, like, um, um, I guess like another kind of like movie musical type. Maybe I do like singing in the rain because it was Great. that like glitzy. Hollywood. Now that one has irony in it, right? That's yeah. got some real snark to it. You're right. Because I had never seen it, and I saw it recently, and I was like, "Wow, this is subversive." Yeah, it's very much like "fuck you, Hollywood." You're all a bunch of weirdos. I got to take it back though, because I just remembered the movie Hackers exists. Oh, and shit. I gotta be a nineties oh, hacker. Oh shit! <laughs> My eyes just I went so revisit wide. That boy, <laughs> oh. that really is a cast where you're like, oh, oh yeah, oh, and you, oh, and, and you're also in, oh. Rip. Okay. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. That's a that's a real raggle taggle group right there. Great that, choice. That movie is a delightful mess. It's a delightful <laughs> mess. Let me get into speaking of delightful messes. Mm-hmm. Let me get three pets from you. Type of pet. It could be as reasonable as like a yellow lab, yeah. or it could be uh you know a dragon. Just anything, whether practical or impractical. Three types of pet that you can have in this world. Okay, I'm gonna do a bear. Great. Like a gentle black bear. Great. Um, I think I'd also like to have uh, uh, some type of like a cool dog that can like get me stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what breed that is, but you know when you're like, go get my slippers. Yeah. Um, so dog, cool, dog fetcher. Cool dog. Fetch dog. Like a real smart one. Yeah. Um, and then I think I want like a weird little something cuddly and little and weird that only is nice to me. Like so, a, like Gizmo from Gremlins. <laughs> yeah, I guess I want a Gizmo. <laughs> a Mogwai. Well, now I'm putting nope. down Mogwai. There we go. <laughs> so that happened. Because if anything happened and you were like, you know what, Mo- little Mogwai, yeah. that person really shit on me. I'm going to yeah. need to turn you into a Gremlin. I think you need to go Gremlin on his ass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's great. Okay, good. Yeah, both the best, best of both words. <laughs> Bit the both words. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's do... Um, let's do uh, let me get, let me do like alternate alternate universe jobs and it could be that you're still doing what you love and what you're doing but it's also like but i but i also have a restaurant or like but i also oh. have a shop or i also have this you know organization that teaches blind cats to read yeah <laughs> i love that um i think i'd probably be I, i'm obsessed with travel and like solo women backpacking yeah, like yeah. go by yourself type of thing so i would love to like run a little like female only hostel airbnb oh, type great. situation somewhere great. yeah Okay, and then two more. Um, and then maybe like uh, maybe like a chef because I love to cook. Yeah. And then how about something crazy like uh, maybe something where I'm doing something physical? I think I'd like to be like a air like a search and rescue like the ones that get dropped yeah. in the water. Yeah, it is. That's great. Yeah, something where I have to be brave, unlike in my current life. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> where I where just have to, to be stupid. <laughs> To keep showing up places where they insult me and tell me dumb things. Some people would call that brave. Mm. Uh, Not me, though. I think it's stupid. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, (laughs) Tell me when to stop. Um, Stop. 
Okay. I'm going to pause this, do okay. a little tallying. I'm okay. going to come back. I'm going to be uh, serving you up your 100% guaranteed mash future. I'm going to love it. Yeah, we got ourselves a real, what we, what we call a real hodgepodge, a real mash yeah. hodgepodge. Uh, God, some great stuff in here. Some great stuff in here. Um, the first thing that I want to congratulate you on is the endless supply of kettle corn. <laughs> <laughs> That you can snack on at will. Thank at you so will, much. At the snap of a finger. Oh, I feel good. That's inside. actually, that feels like a kind of a good, like, I mean, it's almost like you have a weird, it's almost like the the equivalent of trail mix, except that it, it would get crushed very easily in all mm-hmm. these various things that you do because you do uh, do some search and rescue. Oh, I yeah. like the idea of you getting down to like a chasm where someone's trapped and being like, you need sustenance. Here's some uh, kettle corn. Here's some kettle corn. Get, it's sh- get your blood sugar up. Yeah. It's crushed to a powder. Inhale it. Um, <laughs> wonderful. Okay. Uh, also, uh, very portable when you head up to your uh, house in the mountains of uh, outside of Tokyo. <gasps> yes. It's beautiful, soothing, Ryokan style, like hot spring, mm-hmm. peaceful, beautiful, yes. communing with nature, so eating slippers, kettle corn. Just slippers all day. You know, because you deserve that relaxation after the good work you're out there doing in your alternate universe second career um i want to congratulate you on when you need a break from all of that Mm -hmm. why don't you just dive right into the wacko world of hackers (laughs) (laughs) couldn't be any more different (laughs) couldn't be any more different oh i was hoping for that one yeah yeah and then when you just uh you you you're sort of done with that like little little, like punk rock alt you know Mm -hmm. uh bad kid world yeah uh feel free to to jump onto the broadway stage where you get to be george mandy patinkerman's role that's sunday in the park with george i'm getting all my favorite ones no-brainer i'm very smug about this i'm very smug about this now uh you want to see how everything turns out in the distant future guess what you get to Nice. You get to go in and see what's what and show everybody they had nothing to worry about because the future is a beautiful place. Can I tell you that if I had gone to the past, even yeah. as a generic non person, like, of any I don't color, feel great about this. I would have been like watching people of color. And I know. Like, I'm so <laughs> sorry. Know, you have I to know. live now. I know. I know. It's a t- that is a tough category. I'm it's a sorry, tough category. women that you have to live now. <laughs> I mean, it's that's really a thing. Uh, uh, you have a, a charming dog that can just go grab whatever for you at any given yeah. time, and you're sharing that dog. You're one wonderful mountaintop uh getaway and pretty much anything else in here that you want with uh your Donald O'Connor type character where yes. you're just constantly a giggle just laughing and tapping yeah i mean did you get idris no but that's okay no one deserves he him. belongs to all of us now <laughs> you're right we all have to just tear him to little tiny pieces yeah. i got his nose <laughs> i got his khakis uh. <laughs> he's always in khakis in my yes. head <laughs> i understand I don't blame you. Uh, he always definitely has like a nice sporty watch on in my head. Oh, yeah. He's always got like a Movado. Like yeah. A, yeah. Like, Movado. I mean, basically, he's James Bond, but, but maybe they they're not going to let him play James Bond. I don't, I don't really know. know what's going on with that. And then I also mean, I really don't know what's going on with that. For all I know, they could have cast him to be the next James Bond. Yeah. I've said a lot of shit and I truly, I don't know anything that I'm talking about. Okay. Great. 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 <laughs> cool, cool, um, cool. I don't really care because I had so much fun. Me too. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Now, guys, let me tell you about a little something. I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but uh, Bajillion Dollar Properties. That's it. CISO, guys. It is a CISO show. That is a great company. Um, they are, it's a run, it's a, it's a sort of network run by a bunch of comedy nerds who yeah. totally get it. So if it is on, if you, if there was something on their network, it's awesome. 
Yeah. Um, it's Kulop show. Uh, and uh, Tawny is in it. She's hilarious. Oh, There's thanks. it's a ton of improv. Um, you really get to see these people like flex, flex their comedy muscles. It's great. Check it out. And where can people like follow you on Twitter and all that kind of good stuff? Anything like that you want to tell people about? Yes. Thank you. Please follow me on Twitter because I just kind of got into it in the last year and I like it and I want to have actual followers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm Trondy Newman. Um, T-R-O-N-D-Y-N-E-W-M-A-N. Trondy Newman Trondy on Twitter. Newman. Great. And Instagram too. Those are my two main Yeah, me outlets. too. It's all I can commit to. I just started and Snapchat as you that. know. I know. You might have to get me on board. I, I literally learned yesterday I'm okay. a baby. All right. But we could do it together. Okay, good. Uh, guys, uh, in the meantime, I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. Bye. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.